On today's episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, we talk about Kyler Murray and the young quarterbacks who are crushing it. We also put Hollywood Brown in the burn book. He's Bakersfield Brown now. And we discuss all the waiver ads you want, plus players on the Bears. Stick around. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I'm Danny Heifetz here with Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. DK, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you, Danny? I feel weightless. Or rather like a weight has been lifted. Craig, how are you? I'm great. It's a crisp Monday morning here in Southern California. Feeling good. Feeling great. Uh, let's just let's just let's just go right into this. Who won the week for you, Craig? Joey Covers. <laughs> Craig, the Bengals were on by. How, how did Burrow win the week? I'm not talking about that Joey B. I'm talking about a different Joey B. Joey <laughs> Biden, baby. <laughs> Joey, Joey covers. covers. Our man started at minus 180, got all the way down to like plus 450 Tuesday night, turned it right around, covered the spread <laughs> like we knew it would. Oh, yeah. The vetting market on Tuesday night was incredible. That it was, was a roller coaster. I should have pumped behold. all my money in there on Joey B when he was at like plus 425. Yeah. yeah, if you got in on that, you're like on an island, like a fantasy island. Good reference. For those of that don't get that, that's the sex shop next to the Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Um, I'm hoping that their their sales explode about three or 400% this week. Speaking of exploding, there were some <laughs> young gun quarterbacks this week that just absolutely <laughs> jumped off the page. Yes. What a, a what a week. I want to start with Kyler Murray. I mean, that guy... Number one, he is this year's version of Lamar Jackson. Remember, I think in the summer we talked about this, like, is there anybody that could be a Lamar Jackson-type league winner? I think it's Kyler Murray. Like, the things that he's doing, the pace that he's setting, especially as a rusher, uh, is just incredible. Just to give you some context based on what happened last year, I saw this stat for Ian Harditz from PFF. Lamar Jackson's 2019 rushing line, 176 carries, 1,206 yards, and seven touchdowns. Murray, this year is on pace, 152 carries, 1,086 yards, and 16 touchdowns on the ground. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll reach that, but like that's just the kind of production that you're getting from, from Kyler Murray on the ground. Like He's like averaging double-digit points on the ground every week. Right, and so he's only played eight games this year, too. And a lot of, like, Patrick Mahomes is the number two quarterback. He's played nine. Yeah. <laughs> Kyler's got a full-game lead on the guy who's behind him. Well, no, that's, we kept talking all season about how Russ was on historic pace and Josh Allen's on historic pace. 
Kyler Murray is now ahead of them. Kyler Murray is the most fantasy points through eight games, period, ever. Well, it seems to time. me like every four weeks, like the first four weeks, it was like, oh my God, Josh Allen. And then it was like the next four weeks, it was like, oh my God, Russ. And now it seems to be the next four weeks will be like, oh my God, it's Kyler. And I think part of it, to DK, you could talk about this better than me, but one of the reasons is Kyler's just a completely different runner than Lamar. The Ravens do all this stuff with where they, Lamar is like an integral focused part of the rushing attack and design runs. And obviously Kyler Murray, they do that too. Like they do mm-hmm. options and stuff. But Murray also is just a different kind of scrambler where he's gaining huge chunk plays in open space. I mean, obviously they do options and stuff, but is there, I mean, why is Kyler on pace for twice as many touchdowns as Lamar had last year? I mean, I, it is. He's an incredible scrambler. And that's the thing is like when he takes off, it's like a blink of an eye. And that's why teams, and it's a big reason why he's, been, it's, it's all related. It's all connected, right? Like, Teams are mush rushing him a lot, trying to keep him in the pocket, trying to keep him from escaping. Therefore, his like his pressure rate is one of the lowest in the NFL, if not the lowest. I haven't looked at it over the last couple of weeks, but um, he's one of the lowest uh, pressured quarterbacks in the NFL in part because of that. They spread out and, and teams just want to keep him contained, but it doesn't really work. He's just he's able to hit the gas and go. Um I was talking to uh, former Ringer editor Ryan O'Hanlon the other day, and we were talking about how <laughs> Kyler Murray runs. And he sent me this this uh, tweet where it was like a Spanish language announcer announcing like a, a soccer game. I don't know the context of anything, but like this guy makes a run from like the defense all the way to the other side of the field. And he just starts going. Downshifting, like, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is like, I'm just, I can never watch Kyler Murray run without thinking of that." Yours was pretty good. I know you did do that pretty well. You know, it, when watching the difference between them run, Lamar feels like a running back when he takes off, like the way he can like take hits and the way he weaves through tacklers. Kyler to me always feels like he's a receiver getting a reverse and just has this like massive head start of speed and is just weaving through people up the sideline. It's like a completely different look, kind of like Tyreek. He's like. Yeah. Well, I just think he's so much smaller than everyone on the defense that he always reminds me of like a sophomore in high school who's just on the varsity. He's starting for varsity (laughs) just because he's so little. But the play he had against Kyle Van Noy this week in this Dolphin, and I want to get to Tua too because Tua was great. But when they did that option on the, I think it was fourth and one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, speed option to the right. We make football so complicated. It's not that hard. There's 11 people on each side, and there's a space between them, and the entirety of this sport is about controlling the gap between the people. Like, that's it. And Kyle Van Noy, for the linebacker, is exactly where he needs to be. Like, he is in the gap, and by the X's and O's of football, plays over, he tackles Kyler Murray, it's over. And the Kyler just does the jab out, cut in, and turns Van Noy, who's like a three-time Super Bowl champion starting linebacker for Bill Belichick, to dust. Just crinkles him like a leaf you step on. And just, it's it almost reminds me of Kyrie Irving in a way, the way that Kyler can just kind of create space where it's not supposed to be there. Yeah, it's like he breaks people breaks people's ankles like four or five times a game just because they don't know which way he's going to go. Um I just think it's so interesting, and and Danny, listening to you talk about that, like that exact play, is why the option game is never going to go away. It's because no matter what you do, the defender's wrong. And I just remember, I'm just thinking back to like legitimately 2012, 2013, when a bunch of people are talking about how they're going to, like I remember Tomlin got quoted for saying we're going to, eliminate the option game or whatever we're going to see how long people want to have their quarterbacks get hit and it's like man 
the quarterbacks coming out of the college game are just too good. You know, like Lamar, um, Kyler. You, they're just like it, there's a never ending like guys are just getting so good at that option game in the college in college, and then coming into Herbert, the NFL, it's working. Herbert got crushed on one play, but got that it's like the same thing on fourth and one. They ran speed option. He took a hit, but I mean, is Kyler your guys' number one QB for the rest of the season, or would you have Russ or Mahomes? Man, I said I like you asked me this two weeks ago, I think, and I said Russ, but. I think I think I might go with Kyler just because of the floor that he brings as a rusher is incredible. It's legitimately better than what Lamar was doing his MVP year last year. So, uh, in terms of the the fantasy production from from the rushing, so yeah, I would probably go with Kyler. I saw something interesting on PFF about Kyler Murray's passing, and I, it's it's actually not what I would have thought. I think because he's a mobile quarterback, people would assume that when he scrambles out, he's a good passer when he moves, and that maybe because I, I know he's been up and down as a passer this year, and I, I think. Whether it's just like the stereotype of rushing quarterbacks or not, but I think people assume that in the pocket they're not as good and out of the pocket they're better. Kyler's the exact opposite. He's like one of the best passers in the league inside the pocket and one of the mm. worst outside the pocket. Yet you would think you'd want him outside the pocket because he's so elusive as a runner. Lamar was actually oh, the same way last year. Lamar last year, I mean, when he you know broke the rushing record for a quarterback and everything, Lamar was the highest rated quarterback in the pocket by EPA per play, which is like the best quarterback stat. And Lamar was number one. So that's interesting that that's the case with Kyler as well, where inside the pocket, they're better than outside when throwing. A lot of that has to do, I think, with when you get outside the pocket, the structure of the play breaks down and it's much more random. So like the quarterback, instead of reading, going through his one, two, three read and knowing exactly where his receivers are going to be and, and in general, knowing where the defense should be and all that, all yeah. that goes out the window when you get outside the pocket and then they kind of have to improvise. So generally speaking, I guess like, that's true. Yeah. Out of structure plays are just more random. So that might be part of why. But, I mean, he's dangerous outside the pocket, too, I think. Like, you know, he's made plenty of plays. So Kyler was great in this game. Tua was also great in this game. We got to talk about Tua because, DK, you love Tua. We all love Tua. I mean, yep, yep. he looked kind of bad against the Rams with a great defense. Comes in against Arizona. Looks unreal. I mean, he looked like he looked like I would, I had hoped and envisioned that he would look, you know, in the NFL. Made, he made a couple of really beautiful down down the field passes, like Heifetz, you said. His downfield pass is just beautiful, like the way it comes off his hand, just bounces off his hand. Um, the other thing that I thought was just really apparent is he looked more confident. I don't know if that's like, yes. you know, that's that's a very untangible thing, but to me, he just looked more dialed in. He looked a little tentative, and, and that'll happen when you got Aaron Donald in your fa- in your face for half the game. Um, but yeah, he just looked more comfortable and confident. He kind of got his mojo, and, and I think we saw that he, he escaped a couple of plays, like ha- had a couple of Houdini escapes, and you know, scrambled for like thirty five yards. And so, I think it was really promising. You know, add in really huge games from Josh Allen. Um, There's just, like right now, the NFL's young quarterback group is so exciting. Justin Herbert, Burrow, you know, Lamar still, like Lamar is totally flying under the radar too this year because he's he's struggled relative to his MVP campaign last year, but he's still really exciting. I mean, the NFL is just in really good hands at the quarterback position. And by extension, like fantasy football is in such, like the, the future is so bright for so many teams. And that that obviously translates to like big time points of the fantasy positions too. So it's exciting. So I wanted to ask you guys about so the t- you know if you look at the top twelve quarterbacks right now in total points around the eleven twelve areas like Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz, those are that's eleven and twelve kind of surprisingly. Do you think Tua has already played himself into like maybe you would start him over Carson Wentz territory where he could now be the starter on maybe the fantasy team in your league who has the worst quarterback? Would you swap him for Tua? 
Ooh, that's tough. I don't think I would quite yet, especially considering Preston Williams got hurt in this last game. We don't exactly know how long he's going to be out. I think you're going to see a lot of variation. Like it's going to be high high variation scores from Tua this this year. Like he'll I he mean, had like 20, 20 or something last week, and then next week he might have eight, and then you know what I mean. Like I think they're going to still ease him into the offense. Miami's next four games are the Chargers, the Broncos, the Bengals. Or sorry, the Jets and then the Bengals. I would bad. definitely start them against the Jets and the Bengals. Yeah. So I think you could do a lot worse. I, I'd, I'd have more confidence in him than, you know, a lot of guys. <laughs> so let me put it that way. And then what about Josh Allen, DK? Can you give us a quick breakdown on that Seattle-Buffalo game? My Lord. That was like freaking... Did you guys watch that game at all? He had guys... Quite a bit. Yeah, he had guys open downfield every freaking play, I swear. he uh, The Seahawks' defense was completely out of sorts. I thought everybody was all happy that Dunlap was back, Jamal Adams was back. I mean, that was the idea, but the defense just... Man, it was, it was really bad. They... So... You know, like there's a, there's a lot to this game. Like the Seahawks defense is terrible. Their pass rush is terrible. So they ended up blitzing. It's a bunch not, no, it's they, not terrible. It's like the worst of all time. <laughs> it's terrible literally the most yards ever, pass yards it. per game ever by a lot. So yeah. is Josh Allen Houdiniing us? Like, is this should we not take this game uh, seriously, or should we have it take it with a grain of salt? John Brown was yeah. back for the first time in a while. That clearly helped him. Well, on that note, I think that. This so Pete Carroll after the game was like, I thought we were gonna they were gonna run the ball. We had a good plan for the Bills run defense. And that sounds like all right, well, Pete Carroll, you should have figured it out. But the Bills really did abandon the running game. The Bill this is from Mike Sando at the Athletic. He wrote the he does something called the Cook Index, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I love it's that. like you take the first 28 minutes of the first half of, of games to figure out what a team's game plan was. Because after the first 28 minutes, it's all about game script and whether the score and stuff. But he isolates the first 28 minutes to figure out how much they're passing, running, etc. And the Bills executed, this is from Mike Sando, the Bills executed 24 pass plays with just one run in the first 28 minutes for an astounding 96% pass rate. That figure (laughs) ranks number one out of 10,472 offensive NFL team games since the year 2000. That's insane. (laughs) It was the pass heaviest game plan ever. In the 21st century NFL, which probably means ever in NFL history, I don't think that's going to happen every week. Do you know what that tells me? <laughs> the Bills are a well-coached team. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, they looked at the worst pass defense ever. And they're like, fuck it. Yeah, in the in the fantasy world, I think we the biggest thing that pisses fantasy players off is like illogical coaching decisions, and like yeah. that is the that is that is great. I mean, why would they yeah. stop throwing? They got had guys wide open. Like not only were guys catching the ball wide open, but it seemed like on every third play they were running for like thirty yards after the catch. Like no Seahawks even in the screen. It was ridiculous how bad the Seahawks defense get, was yesterday. Why are the Seahawks def- Why is the Seahawks defense so bad? I get they don't have a pass rush and they don't have great depth. That is like a few teams have that problem. Is it just also like Pete Carroll kind of has the stubbornness, the same he was stubbornly sticking to the running game? Are they also sticking to what worked with like the Legion of Boom and now they have bad players instead of great players? And they're like, how can you be this bad? I don't know. It, it, I, well, there's no real simple explanation to it. I, you know, their pass rush is bad and their secondary talent is bad. And but like just for instance, yesterday, the Seahawks came in with like an opposite game plan of what they should have. Number one, they prepared all week apparently for to stop the Bills run game. Pete Carroll's like, yeah, we had a really good plan to stop the run game. <laughs> Can uh, you only prepare wh- for one style of offense? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but number two, they blitzed him <laughs> and played cover. They played man to man and blitzed him on like forty five percent of their snaps this week. And the the book, like the blueprint on Josh Allen, is not to blitz and not play man to man coverage. He's absolutely lit up man to man coverage this season. All year. Um, historically, going back to last year, he's been bad against the man. But like this year, he's just been tearing it up. That probably has a lot to do with the fact that Stefan Diggs just obliterates everybody in, in routes and stuff. But so essentially, the Seahawks came in with the exact wrong game plan, it would appear. And, and I mean, it showed up on the scoreboard. Like they were got they got their asses like blown out in the first half. It was not a game after that. Okay. So, DK, I want you to rank for the rest of the season Russ, Josh Allen, Kyler, and Justin Herbert. Mm. Herbert should be there. Maybe. I I would probably say Kyler, Russ, Allen, Herbert. And the only reason I'm sticking with Russ is because there's still going to be games every week where they have to be in shootouts every single week. because I agree. I'd rather have Russ over good. Kyler for that reason. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's close. It's definitely close. The one thing that makes me a little bit worried about Russ, and this is like a bigger picture thing, is... Uh, He's now had seven turnovers in the last three games. He had four against the card, or he had four against the Bills on Sunday. He had three against the Cardinals two weeks before. And my thought and worry is that like Pete Carroll is absolutely allergic. He abhors turnovers. It's like the worst thing you could absolutely do anywhere. And they're going to turn off the whole Russ cook, let Russ cook thing, and like rein him in and. That's my the worry. The thing is, is that it's not like they have a ton of running backs to not let him cook with. I mean, they have Travis Homer. <laughs> it's and never DJ stopped them before, right though. I know. <laughs> That's true. If the lesson Pete Carroll takes from this game is that they should run more and not that they should pass more, that would be hilarious. Okay. I mean, he came into the game planning to stop the run, and then they did the exact opposite strategy. What do you, I mean, like, yeah, like logical know, man. coaching, man. I, I don't have any faith Craig, in Craig, you right produced now. Pete's podcast. Maybe you just, like, send along some info from... I'll shoot him a text. Football show. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, hey. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go through the top scores of the week at each position here. QB1 was Kyler Murray. QB2 was Josh Allen. QB3 was Patty Mahomes. QB4 is Drew Locke. I just had a shot. Is out. Drew Locke good? No. No. No, but he did lead his team in rushing, I think, in this game. Drew Locke is frisky. I'm just going to say uh, He's kind of frisky. I mean, in the games that since he came back from his injury, he played the Chiefs in the snow, so that doesn't really matter. And in the last two games, he's had like 250 and two or three touchdowns. He had 300 yesterday. He's like kind of frisky. I like his his demeanor. You know, Drew Locke reminds me of Succession, the TV show, because everyone was like, oh, this is really good. And I didn't see it. And I was like, I bet I can just ignore this until it goes away. You can't. You can't ignore succession until it goes away. <laughs> well, I was wrong about succession, but I think I'm right about Drew Locke. <laughs> just something. I think I can ignore him. It'll go away. It will never start again in the NFL. I'll never have to acknowledge. Like, he's just, there's no way. I want him to be a thing, Craig. I really no, do. No, he's, I think he's. I'm dubious. He's an exciting player. And I admit that there are moments when I watch him, I think he's all right. But if you sort any statistical category in the NFL, basically, it's like the bottom two players are Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke, almost without exception. Except Could for he like be a player's like quarterback gets in there. Off-brand Josh Allen? No. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. Running back. The top running backs this week was Dalvin Cook was number one. <sighs> Christian McCaffrey was number two. James Robinson was number three. And I have to shout out that the difference between number three James Robinson and like the t- RB20 was like six points encapsulated the yeah. entire list of like yeah, the next 17 people. Yeah, it wasn't a great running people. back week. Bizarre running back week. 
receiver wasn't that much normal either. Richie James Jr. was the number one sure. receiver this week. Whatever. What team? What team is he on? <laughs> 49ers. You know, th- no, he played Thursday night. You know, remember that game? Speaking oh, yeah, of, oh right. my God, Thursday was a wall. Was a life. That was a lifetime ago. You guys <laughs> remember Thursday? Certainly was. <laughs> End of an era. That was an like a life age. Speaking of Mike Sando from The Athletic, he noted that Jerry Rice had like six games in his career with 184 yards, and Richie James Jr. just hit that on like Thursday night, and everyone was like, yeah, well, sure, whatever. Anyway, Tyree Kill is the number two receiver. Devontae Adams is the number three. Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end. Jimmy Graham is the number two tight end. What year is it? And then Irv Smith was the number three tight end. And then the Saints was their top defense. Ravens, second best defense. Titans was number three. DK. Other than Joey yeah. Covers and all these young QBs who won the week for you. I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, who looks just like a world beater right now. I mean, and actually I was going to ask you this question. It's it's related to the quarterback thing. Like, is there any other non-quarterback player that you'd rather have, well, even including quarterbacks? Is there any player you'd rather not ha- have than Dalvin Cook right now? I think the only one that yes. I think is close is Devontae Adams. Yeah. I think it's three people. It's Adams, Kamara, and Cook. He looks like a he looks legitimately like the league winner this year. I mean, he had so he had 225 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns in back-to-back games, which is only the third time that's happened per NFL research. Um Deuce McAllister, Deuce McAllister in 2003 did it and then Jim Brown back to 1963 are the only other running backs in NFL history to do that. So it's pretty insane. Remember when you guys remember when you guys got you made fun of me because I thought that our FanDuel best ball lineup started in week eight. <laughs> yeah, and I had shit. Dalvin Cook, and he just decided to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that karma, I guess. Uh, so he has 80, and this is in half PBR. He had 85.8 fantasy points over the last two Jeez. weeks, which is easily the most of so any many. Uh, skill player. So for context, Remember when Camaro was just tearing it up in like winning weeks for people in the beginning of the year? In weeks one and two, Camaro had seventy two point one points combined. Cook is Cook had eighty five point eight in the last two games. He's absolutely gone off. Um, so yeah, I, I think like in terms of the running back position, he is the clear cut RB one the rest of the year, and it's probably not really close. Like Camaro, still very good, but like with Michael Thomas coming back, he's going to eat into some of his targets and. I just don't think it's going to be the same with Kamara. If you think that the rest of the season kind of plays its course, do you think Dalvin Cook is a top two fantasy pick next year? That's a good question. Yeah, could be. Him and maybe McCaffrey. Jefferson and Adam Thielen just drop off the map. Are you saying that they're just going to be like this the rest of the season, or Cook is? Well, they didn't drop off the map and play. Kirk Cousins threw the ball twenty-one times. Like, I mean, that's how the Vikings want to play, though. So by by nature, we're talking about Thielen and Jefferson. Like, they have to be on the bubble. I mean, Thielen, you're going to have to play, but it's Jefferson. If this is the ideal Vikings yeah. game script, Jefferson's not startable. That's the problem. But lu- but luckily, the, the game script that the Vikings want to play, they don't get to a lot because they're always losing. <laughs> well, that's that's all I'm asking about Cook here. It's like we have to make a we have to make a, a decision. Yeah, I mean, at least he has a little bit of a floor because he has a he can like put up some receiving stats as well. I think it, I think it's probably him and Kamara and McCaffrey. At the all top right, TK, you can make the bold claim that Dalvin Cook will not continue to put up 80 points every two weeks. <laughs> if you want to stick there, Jefferson, look at some breathing room. All right. Yeah. All right. So I, I think that's that's a good winner, DK. I think it's probably the correct one, other than Joey Covers. Craig, who's your winner for this week? Mine is the new class of elite wide receivers in fantasy football. So in my mind, there's 
there's officially a new group of the wide receivers that I'm the most scared to face in a fantasy matchup when I yeah, see them like, on the other side. You hate to see like God. Oh, like damn you don't it. want to like, see the person. <laughs> you're like, yeah. God damn it. This guy's t- like his projection is 14, but he's definitely gonna have 28. Oh, and I, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, know what I mean? mean? Yes, I do. Like, I know exactly what you mean. Last year and the last two years, I think this was the group. It was like Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, like Mike Evans, Odell, Devonta Adams, Tyree Kill. Those were the guys yeah. you saw them and you were like, fuck. I know I'm going to get killed. <laughs> like the projection's yeah. wrong. Like, right. Like hopefully they get hurt in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, can he cramp up today? Damn. Yeah. There's nothing worse than when like the first drive of the game, it's just like Aaron Rodgers just churns down the field and throws a 20 yard touchdown to Devontae. And there's like eight minutes left in the first. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> he already points. has 11. Um, so I think there's a new group now. They didn't start two guys. Like, they started two guys that were, like, hurt, and they're still going to beat you because they have to <laughs> right. yeah. Abs. yeah, maybe it should be called the receiver that makes that scores enough points for your entire lineup <laughs> of receivers. Um, but the new group, I think, is officially Devonta Adams and Tyree Kill still. But now I think it's DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Tyler Lockett, and it was Calvin Ridley before they got hurt. If you look back at Yahoo's projections of DK Metcalf this year, it took until week eight for them to project more than 15 points for DK Metcalf, which he did. Jeez. And he had more than 17 in four of his first five games, and they still would not do it. It was like 14.2, 13.8, and he was just killing people. And it's the same way with A.J. Brown. They have yet to project A.J. Brown for over 13 points, even though he has gone over that in four <laughs> or five games since being back. He has a touchdown in every single game since he's been back. And DK Metcalf has had over 100 yards or a touchdown in literally every game of the season but one. It's just, there, there's a new class of wide receivers that we have to take seriously. I love this. I would I quibble a little bit with Tyler Lockett. I think he he's an interesting <laughs> case. The guy had 53 points two weeks ago? Yeah, but I mean, if, look at the other games. He's had like, those... He's those, the wide he receiver has, five. He's had two big, huge games this year. He had but, that, a, but that's what I mean. Where he, he's in this class where you're afraid. You know, When you see Got Tyler it. Lockett, you're like, there's a chance sense. where he could literally erupt. And... When you look psychologically at speaking, okay. there's okay. psych exactly. There's no ceiling. When I see Julio Jones now, I don't think, oh God, he could go twelve for one sixty and three. And I think that for Tyler Lockett, that makes sense. I hate I hate facing Metcalf. We need a better name for this. If someone has a good name for this, please email ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com because we need a name for this foot type. <laughs> the of fantasy boogeyman. The fantasy boogeyman. No, because no one knows what the boogeyman is. That's one of those terms that's been handed down like three generations, but like I've never heard of a boogie. I don't know what that even is supposed to mean. The fantasy Thanos. <laughs> we could do a little better than that. Ring your fantasy we'll football there. at gmail.com. So that's the better. Look, I'm workshopping guys. Give, me some, the give me some slack. This guys. is a live workshop. Hi, Fitz. <laughs> yeah. Who okay. won your week? I think people who drafted Travis Kelsey, because I would actually throw Travis Kelsey into this group of, of receivers. I think the only tight end in this group is Travis Kelsey because. Holy crap. Remember 2018 when like Travis Kelsey broke the tight end record for receiving yards and then like George Kittle broke it again like a little later, but Kelsey was just like a monster, had like 10 touchdowns and all that stuff. He's on pace for more fantasy points than he was in 2018. He's absolutely ridiculous. I I mean, he's an example to me of like, we just need to get rid of the term tight end for him because he's just, he is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's just like, he's a cheat code, but I mean, look at his games. He's at, I mean, this is season 17 points, 24, 15, 10, 25, 22, six, 25, 26. Like he's just absolutely nuts. And considering Kittle got hurt, Ertz dropped off the face of the earth. Andrews is somewhere below the earth. Darren Waller's fine. Like, 
there is such a chasm between where Travis Kelsey's at this season and every other tight end. If you actually, I mean, I can put that chasm into numbers for you. Travis Kelsey has 139 fantasy points, 139. Second place, 86. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Darren Waller, yeah. He's like doubling every other tight end. Ba- like the, the running, the, the logic of getting one of those top tight ends is that it's like having an extra roster spot eventually. That really is the case this season. You have an extra starting spot if you're putting Travis Kelsey in. That's how it feels. Craig said in August that like, Travis Kelsey was the guy that he never drafts. And then after the draft and for the rest of the season, he immediately regrets not drafting Travis Kelsey. I've been thinking about that ever since you said it. And it's so true. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. I know it goes against like (laughs) tight end analytics or whatever. I'm just going to do it. Who has Travis Kelsey on their team? That's like, oh, I wish I didn't have Travis Kelsey on my team. (laughs) No, someone asked if you'll trade Travis Kelsey. and You're like, no, no, I'm not getting rid of him because you can't even quantify it. It's just anyway. Okay. Those are the winners. Yeah. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Let's get to the burners. The Adam Gase Memorial Burn Book. To refresh everyone's memories, the people we've burned <laughs> so far, Adam Gase, we should probably just do it again for old times just to make sure the thing's dead. Uh, Daniel Jones, Jack Doyle, AJ Green, Scotty Miller, Moali Cox, and the city of Indianapolis, plus Trey Burton, all of their tight ends. T.Y. Hilton, a lot of Colts on here, and Michael Gallup. Jesus, just Colts and Cowboys. I feel like most of these, most of these burn, most of these burns are living up. Like they're they're holding true. If you like yeah, put yeah. these on a map, like it's just Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and like Adam Gase and like Michael Gallup. <laughs> Realize all this is it's like so concentrated. Oh, anyway, do, uh, we said last week we would not burn Marquise Brown or Jonathan Taylor, but they were like we were like you know firing we up put the lighter, them on hold. lighter, which is older than the match. We had it close. We put them what on we... burn notice. Remember High Fitz? You, you oh yeah, burn. No- I love that show. <laughs> I, so what are what are we what are we thinking this week for? for I mean, Hollywood this? Hollywood's going in the book. Nice. It's done. It's done. Uh, <laughs> we said I, I said last week. You know, I like freaking double, triple, quadruple down on him for like all fucking season, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of getting burned. He's going in there. Uh, three catches. Hollywood Brown or like the ho- Hollywood as a place? Because Hollywood as a place is also <laughs> just as overrated. True. <laughs> Marquise uh, Brown is dead to us. Have you guys ever seen the movie Heat? I, on the rewatchables, they always joke about the line where De Niro is. He's like, there's a dead man on the other line of this phone. And that's how we feel about Marquise Brown. <laughs> He's just dead. <laughs> it's it's sad. It's sad because I want I want him to be good. I mean, I, I love him as a player. And I and on any other team, I feel like he would be really good. But... This this team just can't pass right now. They're just not very, you know, effective. Oh, and the other guy that honestly could almost be in here is Mark Andrews. Yes. 
Like okay. Craig said some Craig said something amazing in our in our Slack during uh the games on Sunday. He was like, What's the difference between Mark Andrews and Jordan Akins at this point? <laughs> and I was Dude, like, mind blown. <laughs> you want to know something crazy? Mark Andrews has had more than four fantasy points twice this year. God, four. Are you serious? Okay, so yes. here's my question. Here's like, I feel like, you know, I have to ask some hard questions right now. I'm sorry, three times. Three times he hasn't had more than four fantasy points. If we're burning Marquise Brown, if we're burning Marquise Brown, we're burning Mark Andrews. At what point do we just burn Lamar Jackson? That's what I'm saying. Rushing floor, though, is what saves him. <sighs> I'm burning Lamar as a person who gets other people fantasy points. He's the embers. It's not Marcus Brown's fault. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to burn Lamar because, in I part, I think Mallory Rubin would fire us. Trying to do the math. It took me like a solid three seconds to figure out what you said there. But yes, I understand. I would be worried for a job security. So we're not going to do it. Because I don't think Marquise Brown is just like bad now. I, I just think right, right. it's just not working. You could oh, argue the whole Ravens offense just, is in the burn book this year. It's not working. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least they got, what about Jonathan Taylor, who uh, <laughs> had the whole fumble thing where he fumbled and then got benched? It's always something. Frank Reich was like, oh, I wish we could have got him more touches. And it's like, yeah, it, it was a whole thing with like the running back coach was unhappy. We don't know. Are we putting Jonathan Taylor in the burn book or what, guys? You know, I was originally going to say yes. I think I need another week. I just need one more week. <laughs> just one more. I just, I'm like, I, I can't quite quit him. He had a touchdown to, like, if he didn't have the touchdown, I think I'd be like, absolutely. But they were playing the Ravens. He fumbled. Next week, they're playing the Titans. You know, I want one more. Jordan Wilkins had 11 carries to Jonathan Taylor's six. Jordan, uh, Taylor also played fewer snaps than Wilkins and Hines. But I think he got benched oh, after the fumble. Yeah, yeah. The week before that, he had an ankle. I think just, we should burn him, but I'm going to enable your bad behavior, Craig, I'll, for at least one more week. I like to see it. I like to see Craig just stringing this out for as long as possible. It's kind of fun. It's like what I did with Brown. Bra my my Brown thing goes back to last year. I'm and I'm. Oh, I remember. Just, uh, yeah, I know you remember, <laughs> Danny. You remind me as often as possible. I'm actually impressed with your restraint and during this whole podcast. So Ivan has an alert on his phone, like a reminder set every morning. It's text DK about Marquise Brown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hollywood. God damn it. All right. We're moving on. Should he change his name from Hollywood Brown to like Bakersfield Brown? <laughs> Is that an LA joke? Because I don't yes. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know this neighborhood's in LA very well. <laughs> it's uh, Bakersfield's just... not in LA. It's just like the most random, boring city in the middle of California. <laughs> okay. Let's make this the poll for the week. <laughs> what random city? Should we rename Marquise Brown's nickname after? Because he's not Hollywood anymore. Whether it's L.A. Hollywood or Florida Hollywood, he's not Hollywood. What is the random shitty city he should be from now? <laughs> shitty. Shitty. <laughs> How about there. Van Nuys? <laughs> Just like the Valley. Is that where they, is the that where Valley they Brown. Porn in the 80s? <laughs> we could do Bakersfield, Van Nuys. I mean, do we want to go random California? We could do Stockton. If only Fresno. Kevin Clark was here to do the random Florida Stockton. cities. Oh yeah, he would go crazy. We'll go, all right. Let's. One of the options will be a random Florida city we get from Kevin Clark. But <laughs> okay, sure. We we'll go Van Nuys, <laughs> Bakersfield, Bakersfield, <laughs> like Modesto. I don't. <laughs> I like Stockton. Stockton. <laughs> Stockton Brown. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that's good, actually. All right. One of us will text Kevin. We'll get the fourth, this Florida city. All right. But that's perfect. 
So yeah, check the poll on your uh, on your yes. Spotify app. Scroll down below the episode title, and you should see it. Please vote. It, we really want everyone to be voting at these. So you know, this is very important research we're conducting here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Bakersfield. Let's go to the waiver wire. By the way, I feel like we should say Hollywood is not named after Hollywood, California. He's named after Hollywood, Florida. So none of this actually makes that much sense. Name another, okay, name, but like, name another if town. If you're going to name Florida. yourself Hollywood Brown, then most people are going <laughs> to think it's Hollywood. Like, I'm sorry. Let me tell you something, DK. I did not know that. <laughs> Thought it was after the. You know, I just I wanted know. to. I, mean, I just want to say that. That's like wanna... you're like I'm Rome Heifetz from you know Rome, New York. Like, I pre- look, like, look. I just wanted to preempt all the Twitter ads that we were going to get. There. Oh, you're right. Thank you for that. saving us. Okay, yeah. you, that, was, that was smart. My Monday evening is now saved. <laughs> all right, let's get to the injuries from this week. There were kind of a lot. Uh, yeah. Matthew Stafford, in addition to the you know dozens of dozens of NFL people who had co- coronavirus, uh, Matthew Stafford suffered a concussion. He was cleared from pro- protocol after the game, but he left the game. Kyle Allen suffered a bad ankle injury. He's probably out for the season for Washington. That's an understatement. That was probably horrifying. he's definitely horrifying. out for the season. I don't even want to get into the... That was very grotesque. I did not watch it. Alex Smith replacing Kyle Allen after that moment was quite the right. gamut of emotions at the end of quite an emotional week. That's all I'm going to say there. I just... A lot a lot of feelings. All right. Speaking of which, receiver Mike Williams almost caught the game-winning touchdown and then dropped it and then suffered... And I'm not sure if it was a neck injury, but he walked off the field. Uh, so not sure if his status Monitor at the moment. Monitor that. Yeah. Preston Williams for the Dolphins had a foot injury, also not totally clear had the severity of that at the moment. LaVisca Chenault for the Jaguars had a hamstring injury. Christian McCaffrey was unreal in his return and then had a shoulder injury that seems more likely than not to keep him out of week 10. Obviously, wow. if you have Mike Davis, uh, you're going to want to play Mike Davis if McCaffrey is out. And then David Johnson. Had a concussion for the Texans, so he's in concussion protocol. David Montgomery for the Bears is in concussion protocol. Justin Jackson for the Chargers seemed to hurt his knee on the first play of the game. So that's wild. And then tight end for the the Broncos tight ends, Noah Fant had an ankle injury. He hobbled off very early in that game. And then I cannot pronounce his backup name. Albert. People just call him Albert O. Akui Boonham. Akui Boonham, I believe is how you say it. Albert O. Also had a knee injury. And then Jack Doyle, who's in the burn book, uh, he's in concussion protocol. So that's quite a Fant bit of did injuries. come back. Fant came back and played, but I think he's just going to have this ankle injury for the whole year until uh, he yeah. misses more time. It's, yeah. He's just, yeah, he just might be able to go. Thank you. Okay. Can I just get this out of the way and and say right now that my David Montgomery prediction is already, it's it's done. It's over. <laughs> my my predict, my bold prediction from Wednesday's show <laughs> that he would be an RB1. It's over. I'm already Six calling days it. Ago. I'm calling <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm backtracking. I'm what not. A few I'm not hours gonna, after you I'm, said that, the Bears were like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we have two positive coronavirus tests on our our offensive entire line. offensive line has come up. Yeah, is out for the game. Arlington Hambright, ar- not to the rest. Already inefficient running back, wildly inefficient. Yeah. So if you have David Montgomery DK and you need some help for Week Ten, what do there you do? There we go. Good. Good one. Good segue. Uh, let's go with Duke Johnson of the Texans. We'll see what happens mm. with David uh, Johnson coming out. Here we go. Um, it's time. Duke Johnson, the greatest PFF running back who's ever lived. We'll see <laughs> if he pans out this week. Yeah. yeah so Spoiler he's, he's, alert. <laughs> Probably not. 
Well, let's see here. In the game, after taking over for David Johnson, he had 16 carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown, adding four catches for 32 yards. So 13 and a half half PPR points. Not terrible. Um, a couple other options for you. J.D. McKissick from Washington, who had 14 targets in this game. I mean, we're in Alex Smith's offense now. He was the fourth highest scoring running back of the week. Depends if you do PPR or half PPR, but he was, I mean, top five. So do you remember, yeah, do you remember when Alex Smith was playing with uh, Chris Thompson for a short spell there and re- relied on him very heavily out of the backfield? I could see this type of situation um, happening with McKissick. And for some reason, they don't see uh, Antonio Gibson as like a third down back. In fact, I saw, I think Rich, Hi- Rich Reiber said today that uh, Gibson has not played one snap on third down or, or something like that. It's like one or two of this whole year. So he's just not in their plans on third downs at this point. He's an early down guy. Maybe McKissick, it's a pass protection thing. Who knows? I do believe Say that's it what with it is. me. Pass pro. He's not a pass pro yet. He's a pass amateur. Hi, Fitz. I think your chances to do any sort of laps on Antonio Gibson, <laughs> Antonio Gibson. have passed. <laughs> yeah, he had another good game last week. <laughs> you are correct, Touché. though. I think I think his pass pro is keeping him off the field on on third downs. But that's good for McKissick, who is only rostered in twenty four percent of Yahoo leagues. He actually out snapped Gibson last week or this on Sunday, uh, forty five to twenty five. Alex Smith, notorious check down machine. I guess we're assuming Smith is going to be the starter. Um, which is not 100% yeah. because it just looks like Washington has sort of given up on Haskins and, and vice versa. Like Haskins, I think, is not... I don't know if he even wants to play at this point. I think he wants to just move on and, and start start anew. So we'll see what happens, but I think if Smith is the starter there, that could be very good for McKissick. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. How do you feel about Wayne Gallman for the Giants? Because the thing that's been impressive to me the last couple of weeks, ever since that Bucks game on Monday night, the Giants' offensive line looks good. Or at least a lot starting to gel. It should be on paper. Andrew Thomas, their left tackle top pick in the draft, was one of the worst, maybe the worst tackle through the first half of the year. But the whole line's just playing better. They're running better. It's from when, I mean, unfortunately, when Saquon was playing, it was just an absolute disaster. But if Devontae Freeman is out again this week, I actually think Wayne Gallman's kind of a solid play because the team's just rolling. Like if Devontae Freeman's back, it's a little muddled. But do you like Gallman? I mean, yeah. He, it, again, the Giants' backfield isn't necessarily something I'd be targeting, but Gallman, the last three weeks, has had double-digit points and half PBR. Um, 10 carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Week 7, 12, 44, 1. Week 8, 14, 68, and a touchdown on Sunday. 14.2 half PBR points. So he has, I mean, he's been buoyed by the touchdowns, but 
I mean, if you're desperate, you could do worse than I think Gallman. And, you know, especially if, if uh, Devontae Freeman is out. The other guy that's kind of interesting is Kalen Blage, Yet another player to escape the yoke of Adam Gase and <laughs> turn out to be an actually good player. Uh, Kalen Blage looked pretty good, <laughs> which was shocking to me because he's, he's sort of become like a, a punchline of, you know, super duper athletic guy that just, isn't good at football, but I don't know. I mean, he looked pretty decent in this game. He was a big uh, Matthew Berry guy. Didn't Matthew Berry love Kalen Balazs? Yeah. I think he felt about him the way you feel about Jonathan Taylor. Just like, just couldn't let go, even after it was clear. This just supports my theory that all most running backs are just pretty good. The reason people like Balazs coming out of college was he's like absurdly athletic, you know? But isn't Jonathan Taylor absurdly athletic? Yes, yes, he is. It turns out that you need to have some sort of vision in everything to play football, Craig. Which, but I will say, it helps to not be on Adam Gase's team. But to be clear, we're talking about the Chargers' fifth-string running back here. We're talking about Austin Eckler, who's hurt. <laughs> Justin Jackson, who got hurt. Joshua Kelly, who's been bypassed for some reason. Tremaine Pope, who got into concussion protocol, to land on Kalen Balazs. What are the odds that Kalen Balazs <laughs> remains a consistent uh, freaking player for this team? I don't know. Probably pretty low. I, I do. I've totally forgot about Troy Wayne Pope breakout game last week, too. Man, they've just been cycling through these guys. Uh, regardless, Balazs, 15 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Added two catches for 15 yards. Going into Monday Night Football, he's the RB4 in half PPR. I feel like the, the running back position right now, though, is just in such a state that you kind of have to go with these guys sometimes. Like, I was starting DJ Dallas in a couple of leagues to Michael Hasty. It's It's... Like right now, the running back situation is kind of grim. Yeah. So, and let's let's scrape the bottom of the Cold Stone cookies and cream barrel here <laughs> to talk about if the Bears running back situation. I mean, you, if Montgomery's oh out, you could God. do Ryan Nall is there, Corderell Patterson, more like Ryan Nah. Like this is my line, not to Ryan <laughs> Nall, not to Corderell Patterson. This is the like. This is the more than the Dolphins. Well, maybe not more than the Dolphins. Yeah, no, more than the Dolphins, more than any other team in the NFL. This is the one where you will not find what you are searching for digging through this backfield. The offense is a catastrophe. The people who love this team and root for it and watch it every Sunday don't want to watch this offense anymore. You don't want to watch it as part of your fantasy hopes and dreams. I mean, David David Montgomery, I'm going to top my head, he had what, like 17 touches for like 35 or 40 yards or something <laughs> yes, total? Yes. Like, like, there's nothing uh, to be had here. They can't move the ball. There's a desperation. Matt Nagy can't design an offense. Nick Foles is saying that uh, Nagy doesn't understand how much time the quarterback actually has in the backfield. They can't block. And then the offensive line disintegrated with two people starting for the first time in the same way. Like, there's, I would be genuinely shocked if anything of consistency and dependency emerged from this backfield. And it, you talk about David Montgomery going down. I don't want any part of it. Let's rank the uh, the the wider uh, the running back waivers this week. Who's number so, one? Yeah, or at least top tier. Got to be Duke, right? <sighs> That's tough because Duke is probably only going to be like good for a week. You know, if David Johnson does miss the game. So but who of these guys is going to be? I mean, I guess McKissick. Call me crazy. Is, I think it's JD McKissick, and if, I do this too. is purely for PPR <laughs> leagues. But right, the thing is. Wayne Gallman, yeah, maybe yeah. he gets you 12 points next week or whatever, but like, I feel like once Freeman comes back, it's going to be real like you're going to be just kind of hoping that one of them gets a score. 
Duke Johnson, I agree. Like it's just been frustrating for like years with him, and I I don't think that's going to change because he's just not the in between the tackles guy the Texans need. But McKissick. He's pretty good. Like, ignore the Washington jersey and just like when he was on the Seahawks, he's an explosive player. And to DK's point, I mean, Washington can have a shitty game. He can play a shitty game and he can still get seven catches and get you like 11 points. Like, if you're in a PPR league, I, I do think there's something just being a check down machine. He had what nine catches for 65 yards in this game. He, the, he just has such an easier to envision path for contributing to your team than anyone else on this list to me. I can't really believe I'm saying this, but I think McKissick's clearly the guy, even just as the third down back for Washington. I do too. Yeah, I agree. And then Duke. And then from there, to me, it's just a toss-up. I mean, I guess you could go Gallman, Blage. None of these guys are going to be reliable. It's going to be more like a desperation play type type guy. But It is desperation. Yeah. Even by the 2020 standards, I think Blage... Patterson and all are, des- are are desperate. Okay, receivers. Yeah, let's move on to the receivers. Uh, I want to start out with Curtis Samuel, who yeah has honestly just been really good. I feel like it's taken us a while to kind of believe that this is for real or or that he's here to stay. I guess, and it, it feels like he is. He's a guy that we talked up all last year. It was basically in in the he was the Marquise Brown of last year in terms of just like had a million air yards. His underlying stats were really good, but he just couldn't have any production. This year, that production's finally coming. He has a better quarterback under center. Um, the offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, seems to be really getting him involved. He's used on ends arounds. He's he's used down the field. Third straight, really nice game on Sunday. He had nine catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Three rushes for 13 yards. And yeah, I mean, again, like he's put it together three straight games. And quietly, he's still like out there on 70% 70% of waiver wires right now in Yahoo. So, um I think to me he is the guy he's the guy I'd prioritize at the receiver position. But there are there are quite a few other players. Who who else are you guys keeping in mind? No, I'm just talking about the Giants. Sterling Shepard, I think I mean it's bizarre to say someone played a good game who had six catches and like less than 40 yards, but I do think Sterling Shepard looks good and that yeah. honestly it's not that different than like August where it's you have one of the top receivers in an offense that's probably going to be passing quite a bit. He's just kind of out there. He's like 50% of the league, so he might not be. But if you need a receiver and you're decimated by things that are happening or bye weeks or whatever, Sterling Shepard's actually a pretty sneaky target. And also, like, I think he gets red zone looks. I think Darius Slate yeah. is the number one option on this team. But I think Shepard is, if you're in a PPR league, a pretty good option. I don't think he's the highest ceiling in the world. But he's, he's I mean, like a higher-end Cole Beasley. Yeah, he his target share has been pretty strong. I think he's had... In his three games, in the last three games, he's had eight, 10, and eight targets. So he's definitely, you know, getting looks. And that's exactly what you want, that floor, that 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 PPR floor. Um, so I like him. He's, he's a low-ceiling guy. But um, again, like if you're looking to fill just like a flex spot and you don't want to get a zero, he could be an option. I wanted to toss out a couple guys. I think Rashard Higgins on the Browns, they had a bye this week. So you'll have to check and see if he's available. He's 24% rostered on Yahoo Leaks. So yeah, they had a bye, and then the week before that was that super windy game where there was like no scoring against the Raiders, and he had a slow week. But the week before that, he had 100 yards and six catches in his first game without Odell. So I think he could kind of be a sneaky ad that could potentially start on your team as like a flex or a wide receiver three for the rest of the season. They're playing Houston this week, and um, I kind of think he's flying under the radar because of the bye and, and the crappy Oakland game. And then another guy I wanted to toss out again is Alan Lazard. He almost played last week, but he didn't. They left him out. I think he's probably pretty likely to play this week. And 
the Packers have still yet to find a, a strong second option. He's still, Lazard is only 38% rostered in leagues. I would go grab him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, we saw what Marcus Valdez-Scantling could do. I mean, he's still very unreliable to me, but like he had, he had, Two touchdowns and that that kind of that overflow where Devontae's not going to catch literally every pass in that offense. You're looking for the overflow, the Devontae overflow. Um, a couple other guys I want to mention here. Debo Samuel, if he is still out there in your league, is definitely worth adding at this point. Um, I think he's 58% rostered in Yahoo. So, you know, he's not going to be out there in a lot of leagues. But if he is, he's a good stash. There's a chance he could come back for week 10. If not, you know, then you could have him kind of for a playoff run. And, and again, the 49ers are just desperate for anybody to, to What do you do plays. about Richie James? And that's the other one to to throw in here. You know, I don't know, man, because I think once Ayuk comes back, he'll kind of assume that role. And and for clarity, Ayuk was put on the short, or he was put on the COVID list, um, but then o- almost immediately taken off of it. It wasn't time, it wasn't quick enough to get him into that game on Thursday night. Yeah, it he was just on a Sunday. close contact. Yeah, so he's going to be back. I think, I on one hand maybe Richie James is Travis Fulgham, right? On the other hand, I feel like come on, I can't we're not rem- doing Richie James. We're not. I can't it. remember the last time I felt such an obvious chasing a previous game that will not come again. <laughs> like, like you're going to be chasing this 180 yard game, trying to get another hundred yards, and like he will give you nothing. I, I just, I just don't think that he's a smart ad. It's, that's fair. Uh, one other guy that I think is interesting is KJ Hamler from the Broncos, who had 10 targets, six catches, 75 yards on Sunday. Um, he's playing a lot in the slot. He's really fast. I mean, like, if you watch him on the field, he's explosive. And it seems like he's kind of like finally finding his groove in this offense. And I don't know, like, this is the same question we had with Drew Locke. Like, are we going to get this kind of thing from Drew Locke every week? I don't know. Probably not. Um, but. You know, in an offense that's that needs guys to step up, you know, we got Fant probably gonna maybe gonna miss time. Alberto is out. Um, this could be an opportunity for Hamler. Okay, so if we're gonna rank these guys or at least tier them, Curtis is Curtis Samuel number one. He is for me. Yeah. What do you guys think? I he is the best mix of like upside and. I, yeah, I I'm so. kind of afraid of the reverse burn for Samuel, <laughs> where he kind of like back end burns you. But right, yeah, right, probably. And then what? And then it's like probably Sterling Shepard and Rashard Higgins. I would put yeah. Shepard, Higgins, Ham. My issue with Higgins is that the Browns' offense, as we've been saying all year, is just so limited. But unlike Odell, where you gave up a lot, I think Higgins is worth a flyer. But Baker just has no volume. Baker is more than sixteen points, like twice this year. So that's not great. But I think Higgins is second, or sorry, Higgins is third after Shepard. And then I would go KJ Hamler. I don't love Michael Pittman for the Colts. I don't think Richie James is worth an ad at all. And then you can take a flyer and like Darnell Moody for the Bears, but dude, I fucking hate the Bears. I hate watching the Bears. Having Allen Robinson is the worst thing. It's so not fun. He always has a decent game by the end of the game. It's the ultimate. Don't watch the game. Check the Allen Robinson box score. Situation. Been like that for years. <laughs> it is brutal. All right. Well, speaking of which, tight ends. Jimmy Graham, number two tight end this week. If he's available in your league, I mean, he's the best like streaming option. I think clearly. Yeah. But other than Jimmy, who else would you like? It was. It's a rough week for tight ends, honestly. I think Irv Evergreen. Smith. Evergreen. Yeah, Irv Smith, I guess, is an option. Um, you know, if Dallas Goddard is still out there in your leagues, then it's still a chance to go grab him. I think he has he has a chance to really finish strong. Um, and I think you could maybe what else? Gerald Everett is four percent rostered, and 
his last four games, he's had two of them in double digits. He's seeing a lot more targets in the last four games. They're playing the Seahawks this week. I think maybe that's a flyer. Yep. Yep. But it's it's pretty grim. Okay. What if you need yeah. to stream a quarterback this week? The teams on by for the record are the Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Jets. So unless you're starting Sam Darnold or uh, Garrett Gilbert, which we didn't even get to Garrett Gilbert, but Matt Ryan's on by, Mahomes on by. So if you need a stream or quarterback, who are you guys looking at? All right, so a couple of potential options at the quarterback spot for streaming this week. Drew Locke going up against the Raiders. Tua against the Chargers. That's going to be a fun game. Tua versus Herbert. And then Jake Luton versus Green Bay. Do you guys, Jake Luton had a pretty damn good game for, for his He first earned game. my respect. I got to say his name right because he did that spin into the end zone. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to trust this. This is such this a trap whatsoever. game. I, yeah. I think you should heavily bet against Jacksonville this weekend against Green Bay. I think the Luton <laughs> thing is a fluke, and I think Green Bay's defense should be highly streamed. The other one that I was going to throw out there, if he's still out on your waiver wire, Jared Goff going up against the Seahawks, who, I my God, just start whoever's playing the Seahawks. That's kind of like the cheat code this year. Um, yeah. The other one I want to ask you guys about, are we interested whatsoever in like Alex Smith if he's going up, going up, if he's going to be the starter going forward? No. Goodness, no. No. <laughs> Goodness, no. All right, there you have it. But I will say to Craig's point that the Luton thing was uh, very nice to like just see some anonymous guy making waves like that. But I think the Packers defense, which has been pretty bad this year, is a very sneaky stream against the Jacks. I think Craig's right about that. You guys just you lack faith. The sixth round, the yes. sixth round quarterbacks from the Jags are just fantasy you gold. You're right, DK. I saw a lot in the last week that does give me faith. My faith, you know what? It's been restored. Uh, Not keeping it anymore. We're spreading faith. I saw this from PFF. Jake Luton had the most big time throws of any quarterback in week nine. Spread the faith, Jake. Big time throws, you know, for those who don't know. I don't know, I don't know the exact way that they grade it, but it's essentially like based on distance and proximity to the defender, like threading a needle into tight coverage downfield, like deep throws downfield. So he had, he had more of those than any other quarterback, which is honestly surprising to me. I don't know what your guys' dietary restrictions are, but I'm looting free. (laughs) All right. That's all we got for this podcast. (laughs) That's where we draw the line there. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Jake Gluten. No, he gets the Luton for this week. We'll go back to Gluten next week. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.